three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 381. Uh, doing NFL predictions today for the AFC North and AFC West. I'm not going to waste any time. Let's jump into the Cleveland Browns. I believe the Cleveland Browns will go 13 and four this year. They will win the AFC North. And it feels crazy to say that, but I do believe this. Best case scenario for the Cleveland Browns this year is they win a Super Bowl. And I've waited my whole life to be able to say that, not because I'm a Browns fan, because my whole life the Browns have been like a little engine that could. This terrible, horrible franchise that every year I just take pity on. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be nice if the Browns were good? They actually are good this year. That's crazy. This is the best roster maybe in the entire NFL. This is a loaded team filled with all kinds of really good football players. In fact, there's a stigma to being part of the Cleveland Browns. Like Being the Cleveland Browns means that people are uncomfortable making them a Super Bowl favorite. And if Seattle or Dallas had this collection of football players, they'd be given more credit, like straight up. People would call them a Super Bowl favorite. So the Browns... General manager Andrew Barry is a guy who I think deserves a ton of credit. He added safety John Johnson to this football team. He added corner Troy Hill. He added two defensive ends, Jadavian Clowney, who's a starter, and then former first-round pick, now a backup Tack McKinley. They added defensive tackle Malik Jackson. They drafted a new starting corner, Greg Newsom II. Uh, they're also getting—they didn't add this player really, but they're getting star receiver Odell Beckham Jr. back from an injury last year. I want to break down this defense because it is crazy deep how good this Browns defense is. In the secondary, they have two starting corners, uh, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, the second a rookie. Behind them, they have Troy Hill and Greedy Williams. Then at safety, you have John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison Jr., uh, plus the backup safety, Grant Delpit. Uh, is a really solid backup who can come in and give them some depth. And if guys get hurt, like, it's crazy how much depth this team has. If Denzel Ward gets hurt, they're okay. They have Troy Hill and Greedy Williams. If a safety gets hurt, they have uh, Grant Delpit. Like, the fact that the Browns are able to survive injuries is really, really going to help them throughout this year. On the defensive line, you have two former number one overall picks, which is ridiculous. I'm not a huge Jadavian Clowney fan once a good friend of mine Brett Coleman said that Jadavian Clowney is a guy who and he told me this on my podcast he said Jadavian Clowney is a guy who is more like Robin he's better when he's not the number one guy expected to bring in all the production the good news is you're pairing Jadavian Clowney with Miles Garrett another former number one overall pick who is dominant and they're going to play off each other help each other a lot uh, Malik Jackson is inside a defensive tackle that also helps like it is hard to block a defensive end when they have help on the interior and help on the offensive on the other side of the defensive line. So they're going to get a lot of pressure after quarterbacks, not to mention backup defensive end Tack McKinley. He's a guy who's had a man, a bad NFL career. Tack McKinley has been a big disappointment, a former first round pick in Atlanta, uh, I believe at UCLA, who just never, ever became the starter they wanted him to be. But he is talented. He's a guy who's played a lot of games. He's a backup now. And I, I look, if, if Jadavian Clowney gets hurt, I think Tack McKinley can come in, be a solid starter, and he might actually be 
helped out and benefit from playing alongside Miles Garrett. Anyone would on the defensive line. So I, I feel really good about this defensive front for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, now on offense, the offensive line is stacked. You have left tackle Jedrick Wills, right tackle Jack Conklin, guards uh, Joel Benantonio and Wyatt Teller. You have center J.C. Treader. The receiving core, Odell Beckham Jr. is a star. Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones at tight end. You have three tight ends, which is ridiculously gluttonous. The Browns do not need more than one tight end, let alone three. They have Austin Hooper, who's a stud. David Njoku. They have Harrison Bryant, a guy out of Florida Atlantic, was a rookie last year, did really, really well. The Browns have three running backs I like. They have Nick Chubb, the guy who just got, he's a star. He got a massive contract. Kareem Hunt is a big playmaker. And then the Browns have this underrated playmaking running back, rookie Demetric Felton, a guy out of LSU. Fantastic receiver out of the backfield. He is so good at catching passes and making people miss and doing stuff in open field. He can also return kicks. Demetric Felton is a guy who nobody knows who he is. Nobody paid attention to that move, but that's a good move the Browns made adding him. Uh, I still... Man, I want to be clear on this. I think people don't understand what I talk about. I think Baker Mayfield is fantastic. And I think Baker Mayfield's underappreciated by most people in the football world. People don't understand the dysfunction that Baker Mayfield had to overcome and deal with early on in his career. Freddie Kitchens, Hugh Jackson, terrible offenses, all kinds of new systems and new head coaches. So for him to overcome all that dysfunction finally get a good coach and a good roster around it. Baker Mayfield, I believe in, I think he's great, and uh, I think deserves a little more respect than people around the league give him. I mean, Baker, like, didn't carry the Browns to a playoff victory last year, but he's the first Browns quarterback to win a playoff game in, like, since, what, Bernie Kosar probably was the last one to do it, so let's give Baker a little more credit and a little more respect that I believe he deserves. This Browns roster is a crazy mix of both, not even both, all three, talent, youth, and depth. They're young, they're really good players, and if people get hurt, they're okay. I mean, even they have a backup quarterback or Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum can come off the bench and win a couple games if they need that. So people are afraid to say it, but this Cleveland Browns team is capable of winning a Super Bowl. They should be a Super Bowl favorite, in my opinion. Again, like I said, if, they were, if this team was in Dallas or Seattle, no one would think twice before saying they are a Super Bowl favorite because of the stigma of Cleveland. People are afraid to say it. Think about this too. The Browns had their first ever off season under their head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Remember they had no training camp last year. Uh, they kind of just were thrown into the wolves week one, learning the offense on the fly. This year they had a whole offense to marinate on the system, to learn it, rep it in training camp. I think the Browns are going to start way better week one. They play Kansas city and I am very, very excited to watch the Cleveland Browns this year. My only one question about this football team, maybe the weak link on this team, is their kicker, Chase McLaughlin. Uh, this is his seventh team in three years in the NFL. He's a guy who's bounced around a ton. He's, like, fine when you look at his numbers. Uh, I, I hope that he does not become—I hope he just has a, a solid year. Nobody knows his name. He's not noteworthy at all. My fear is because he's not a guy I know and it's not reliable, I hope he doesn't miss like a game-winning kick in an important moment late in the year. And that's something that I say that now, and unfortunately, my fear is that's going to stick in people's heads all year. And if that happens in the AFC title game, we're going to go, man, the only weakness on this football team was they didn't have 
a kicker like Matt Prater or somebody really, really good that they knew they could trust in a key moment at the end of a game. Uh, By the way, this is a really interesting sequence the Browns have on their schedule. Week 12, they play at the Baltimore Ravens. Then week 13, Cleveland has a bye week. Then week 14, they play the Ravens again. It's very rare to be in a situation where often when a team plays another team twice in three weeks, they split the series. Like, uh, I think later in the year, the, the NS East for sure does this. Someone is playing somebody. Like, if the Eagles play the Giants and then have it play another team, then the next week they play the Eagles and Giants again, they usually, one team wins one game, one team, team wins the other. Because you know each other so well, it's so recent, and inches in the NFL is so close. It's rare for a team to play another one and beat them twice in three weeks. I think this could happen for the Cleveland Browns because while the Browns have the week off, week 13, the Ravens are playing Pittsburgh in between, which means they're they're going to be occupied, busy with a really good football team. So the Browns, I believe, could beat Baltimore twice in a three-week span, week 12, and then week 14. It's rare, uh, but the bye week makes it very, very, very interesting. I love the Browns this year. They will go 13-4. and four. And in my opinion are a team that should be a Super Bowl favorite. Now, Pittsburgh. I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers will go 10-7 and this year. This is likely their quarterback, Big Ben's final year in the NFL. One last ride. And I feel, I mean, that really does matter. Like, Big Ben, I think, is taking things more seriously. His body is in better shape. Uh, I think every moment, like, when you know you're coming to the end, you appreciate everything just a little bit more. I think Big Ben's going to do that this year. Now, the biggest move the Steelers made this offseason was they drafted Alabama running back Najee Harris, a former Alabama running back. Now, now Najee Harris is a Pittsburgh Steeler. The dude loves football. He loves to work. Uh, the stories I've heard about this guy are unbelievable. Uh, he could win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's fantastic. I really, really am confident in Najee Harris. He's a guy who can run, can catch passes, can block. He's an all-around fantastic running back. A guy that we might compare to Dalvin Cook a couple years from now. Uh, Now, this offensive line in Pittsburgh is, they're solid. They're not amazing. Uh, They're very much, like, fine and decent. Uh, They have guard Matt Feeler. He left, actually, so he's gone. Uh, Gone is David DeCastro. Gone is Alejandro Villanueva. They have a rookie starting center, a third-round pick, Kendrick Green. That makes me pause and be a little bit concerned. Uh, Now, they did sign former Pro Bowl guard Trey Turner. Uh, And one key to success for the offensive line here in Pittsburgh is I want Big Ben to get the ball out of his hands very, very quickly. They have a new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. I always want to say Kenyatta because I lived lived briefly in uh, Flint Ridge, La Kenyatta in the L.A. area. It's not Kenyatta. It's Matt Canada, which is way more boring. Um, And I want to see Big Ben with Matt Canada as his head as his offensive coordinator excuse me I want to see him I want to see Ben evolve his playing style where he's playing less physical he's running around less he's being more precise get the ball out of Ben's hands quickly help the offensive line Uh, I thought you I would mirror the game plan of what the Dallas Cowboys did week one on Thursday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I'd run the ball more obviously the Steelers can run the ball more but you have a weakish offensive line and you have a quarterback who I don't want Big Ben to get hit a bunch. He's an aging quarterback. Let's help the offensive line and protect our quarterback. Get the ball out of his hands very, very quickly. The Steelers have some good receivers. They have Deontay Johnson. 
Juju Smith Schuster, a guy who I, I got to be honest, Juju's TikToks drive me nuts. Get the guy off TikTok. Just focus on football. I don't know why he does that. Uh, James Washington is good. Ray Ray McLeod is good. My favorite receiver though on this football team is Chase Claypool. They call him the what do they call him? Uh, Mapletron instead of Megatron because he's <laughs> it's like a Calvin Johnson reference. I love that. Uh, tight end Eric Ebron is really good. They also have Pat Fryermuth, who is a stud rookie. He's going to have a breakout year. I can't wait to watch Pat Fryermuth uh, play for the Steelers. Now, their defense in Pittsburgh is a ton of great players. They have uh, stud linebackers. TJ Watt, he just uh, signed a record-breaking new contract in the NFL. Plus, you have Devin Bush. You have Joe Schobert. You have Alex Highsmith. They even added uh, Melvin Ingram for depth on their defense Defensive and Cameron Hayward is really good. They have two good safeties, Mika Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds. Uh, corner Joe Hayden is still a solid contributor. Look, I look at the Steelers roster, and Cleveland has a better team all around. Cleveland's a better football team. Now, Pittsburgh, does it matter that Big Ben has won a couple Super Bowls before? Does it matter that Mike Thomas is an experienced coach? Like, Could that play, uh, pay off later when they're playing each other late in the year? Could maybe Pittsburgh's experience help them against a slightly better Browns roster? I don't know. I think Pittsburgh has a lot of potential. I have them going 10-7. and seven. Uh, They're the only team, though, in this division that can challenge the Cleveland Browns for the AFC North title. And if the Browns slip up a little bit, if the Steelers overachieve a little bit, Pittsburgh could, in fact, steal the AFC North title from Cleveland. Okay, let's shift to Baltimore. I believe the Baltimore Ravens will go 9-8 and eight this year. I have a couple things to say. Number one. Uh, big problematic news. Not only did running back J.K. Dobbins tear his ACL during the preseason, but then later in a practice, not only did star corner Marcus Peters also tear his ACL, but so did their other running back, Gus Edwards. Uh, so they they lost Gus Edwards. They lost J.K. Dobbins. Justice Hill got hurt as well. The other, the third Ravens running back, you now have Le'Veon Bell. I saw Devontae Freeman got out of the practice. Well, Le'Veon Bell is probably going to be the the week one running back uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, imagine losing your starting corner is so brutal. And then like your entire running back room got decimated and you're a team, the Baltimore Ravens that run the ball really, really heavily. And it's not just that like running backs are interchangeable. Sure. But the mesh is what I'm worried about. They run this own read a lot. I'm worried about this playing into where you have fumbles. You have obviously your star talent is gone, but on top of that, like could this cause more fumbles? Could this cause more problems with, protections where the running back doesn't know where to go their guys are learning on the fly little things like that are going to cause a problem for the Baltimore Ravens not just the fact that they lost some talented players so look nine and eight sounds just about right for this Baltimore Ravens football team if you ask me uh the Ravens did draft receiver Rashad Bateman the the thought was he was going to help Lamar Jackson in the passing game well uh another injury news story uh, he needed surgery after a groin injury, so currently Rashad Bateman, their first-round receiver, is also on injured reserve. Uh, the Ravens are trying, man. They brought in uh, guard Kevin Seitler from New York. They got it, gave him a three-year, $22.5 million deal. They signed former Steelers tackle Alejandro Villanueva, two-year, $14 million deal. That, by the way, is a downgrade from their former Pro Bowl tackle, Orlando Brown. That, that trade still is infuriating. Orlando Brown, they gave up a starting left tackle, I guess right tackle, he wanted to play left tackle. They, they refused to put him there. And they got a first-round pick in return for Orlando Brown. But, like, how helpful is that really? Like, that, that first-round pick is not going to help them win at all this year, and it's probably going to be a late-round pick from Kansas City. So that trade all around was weird. Linebacker Matthew Judon also left. He went to New England. 
Uh, they did bring in receiver Sammy Watkins. They also have uh, wide receiver Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Plus, hey, tight end Mark Andrews is really, really good. One of the better tight ends in the league. It's a league where there's only like eight really good star tight ends. He is one of them. Uh, look, Baltimore did their very, very best to replace the players that they lost. But the problem is they found some more people that could start in their lineup. But Baltimore did not get better from last year. And this is a very much good but not great football team. Uh, and the record I predicted, 9-8, and eight, reflects that. They have too many injuries and question marks. Lamar Jackson is a crazy good quarterback. But in the NFL, having a good quarterback is not enough. You need a good roster. You need good people around that quarterback. And I, I will say I'm excited to watch the development of young linebacker Patrick Queen. And uh, aside from that, like I think it's going to be a fairly like okay year for Baltimore. They will be third in the AFC North. Uh, Baltimore has a tough schedule. Week four, they play at Denver. Week five, they play the Colts. Week six, they play the Chargers. Week 17, the Rams. Uh, they have a four-game gauntlet where week 12, they play the Browns. Week 13, they play at Pittsburgh. Then week 14, they play at the Browns. And then week 15, they have Green Bay come to Baltimore to play Baltimore. That's four playoff teams, and two of them are the same team in a four-week span. So that's Browns, Pittsburgh, Browns, Packers again. Bam, bam, bam. That could be four losses in a row for the Baltimore Ravens. It is not going to be an easy year at all for Baltimore. Now, Cincinnati, I believe the Cincinnati Bengals will go 4-13 and 13 this year, and I do not like saying that. Let me be clear. I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is fantastic. He's a great young quarterback in this NFL, uh, and I, 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 man, I love watching him. I, I really, really love watching Joe Burrow. And the Bengals are trying, to their credit, man. They brought in a new defensive end, Trey Hendrickson. Uh, he had 13 and a half sacks last year. Uh, he was tied for second most in the NFL. Like, bringing him in was a big deal. I was like, oh, that's a great move. Uh, Sam Hubbard plus Trey Hendrickson. They give Sam Hubbard a big contract. Two really good defensive ends in Cincinnati. Now, they signed uh, right tackle Riley Reef. Uh, we'll see how good he is. There's a reason why Minnesota let Riley Reef, Reef or Reif, I don't really know or care how you say his name. Uh, I, I meant to do well, but I, I screwed it up, probably. Uh, there's a reason, though, why Minnesota let him leave. I watch, I've watched him on film way more than I've heard his name said, and not particularly great. Like, we'll see. I, I know that Cincinnati's excited about that move. It looks good on paper. I don't know how it's really going to play out in real life. Uh, they did bring in two new corners, Dobie, Awuzie, and Mike Hilton. That's solid. Uh, but the thing I didn't mention yet is they lost corner William Jackson the third to Washington. They did get a new starter, like— but in my opinion, it doesn't balance out. Like, the person they lost does not really—so the person they, they replaced does not really fill the shoes of the person they lost, William Jackson III. Like, they didn't really replace him, if you know what I mean. Uh, A.J. Green is gone, and that's—I mean, he didn't want to be there, and you never want a player who doesn't want to be on your football team. They replaced him with Jamar Chase, who— Oh, man, it's it's a concern. He's been struggling with drops during the preseason, and a lot of people are overreacting and being really upset about this. And I, I'm not watching Lamar Jackson drop passes going like, oh, this is so great. But it's also preseason. Let's calm down. Let the guy have time to develop. Uh, I'm not ready to crucify this guy just yet. Now, I like receivers Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and I still do believe Jamar Chase will figure it out. Uh, Joe Mixon is the running back in Cincinnati. He's really good, uh, and I'm hopeful that former first-round pick Jonah Williams will have a good year at left tackle. Now, one guy who's a disappointing story in Cincinnati, cornerback Trey Waynes missed all of 2020 last year with a pectoral injury. 
this is your peck, right? Yeah, it's your peck. Okay, I, I pointed to my peck, and I'm like, wait, what if this isn't my peck? That would be horrible. Uh, now, they gave Trey Waynes a really big contract. He didn't play at all last year because of that injury. And then in August, he hurt his hamstring. And you're like, dude, is this guy ever going to play? We paid him a ton of money, we meaning the Bengals. And I would imagine Bengals fans are very, very frustrated with that. Um, so he's still out. He's not going to play week one. No, I'm curious how quickly Joe Burrow can get back to where he was last year. During his rookie year last year, got hurt, had this horrible knee injury. He's back now, and he was on a roll last year. He was playing so well, and I, I just, I really hope that there is no like sacrifice to his playing ability uh, because of that knee injury from last year. I hope he just like starts right where he left off and has a great year. Um, I, I hope there's no like you know time where he's growing and trying to get back to where he was. Now I have the Bengals winning. These four football games, I have them winning week two at Chicago, week four against the Jaguars, week six at Detroit, and then winning their final game of the year, week four uh, at Cleveland, week 18, because the Browns rest their starters. I do not like saying that the Bengals are only going to win four games this year. Let me be clear, four and 13 is my expectation, Uh, but I would like to see the Bengals do better than that. And there are a couple swing games I want to mention that if they win this game or that game, they could easily go from, you know, four and 13 to seven and 10, maybe eight wins. I think eight wins is probably the ceiling for this Bengals team. But if they beat like the Jets week eight and the Raiders week 11, the Ravens week 16, they can go seven and 10. I think maybe if they find another win somewhere in there against a good football team, they could go um, eight and nine, which I feel like would be a a good year for Cincinnati, given what's going on with them. Um, This is a team that's trying to bounce back. I don't know that I think Bengals fans have slightly unrealistic expectations, thinking their team is a playoff team. They're going to do all this stuff. I'm like, wow, let's slow down. You're just trying to get through a year without your quarterback getting hurt, in my opinion. I think, frankly, like they got better. They added a new receiver, uh, Jamar Chase. I don't know how much of an impact that really makes. And they they lost a good corner. They added a new defensive end. We'll see. I am skeptical of how good the Bengals will be, but uh, I, I had them four at 13, uh, and we will see where they are in November. And if in week 10, I'm clearly wrong. I'll point it out. I would like to see the Bengals doing fantastic. It'd be awesome if they were eight and no to start the year. I just don't think that's a realistic expectation for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will talk about the AFC West, Kansas city, LA, Denver, and of course the Las Vegas Raiders. All right. We are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Let's now talk about, the AFC West. I want to start in LA. I believe the LA Chargers will go 12 and 5 this year. Uh, I actually have them winning their division, barely beating out the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC West title. Uh, straight up, I think the Chargers are just a really, really good football team. They built their offensive line. They signed left guard Matt Filer from Pittsburgh. They brought in center Corey Lindsley from Green Bay. He's a former All Pro. He's really, really good. Uh, they drafted new left tackle Rashawn Slater with a 13th overall pick in the first round of the NFL draft. Like, I love the way they're building their offensive line. They also brought in a new right guard, Ode Abushi. So that's four new starters on their offensive line. I think that is wonderful. I love seeing that. They also have three good receivers. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are the two stars there. I also like Jalen Guyton. He's a study at a long touchdown pass. It's ingrained in my memory forever from last year. Uh, I like running back Austin Eckler. They also have two tight ends in L.A. They have Jared Cook, a guy they brought in from New Orleans. And then Donald Parham is a tight end who is a standout in the XFL, who's a guy really, really tall, can 
like out rebound defenders for the football. Now, they have given their second year quarterback, Justin Herbert, a ton of help. He's going to have a massive year. He won rookie of the year last year. I think it's very possible that Justin Herbert could even win the NFL MVP this year. We've seen guys in their second year explode and have a great year. And the way that LA has built their team around Justin Herbert is just a, I think it's a lesson in exactly what you are supposed to do when you get a really good young quarterback. And what I love about it too, is it, it commands, like it shows that they have a sense of urgency. Like they don't want to screw around. LA said, we know what we have. Justin Herbert is fantastic. We are not going to waste a year of his career. They made move after move after move to support their young quarterback, get him help, get him a winning football team around him. And just, man, well, I wish other teams had that sense of urgency when they get a guy who's really, really talented. Like Seattle has wasted so many good years with Russell Wilson. It drives me nuts. So shout out to the LA Chargers. In my opinion, this is a Super Bowl dark horse team. Uh, now, their two best players on defense, they have defensive end Joey Bosa and safety Derwin James. They are fantastic. Uh, and I'm also really curious to see how quickly young rookie corner Asante Samuel Jr. will will develop. Uh, I want to see the progression of second-year linebacker Kenneth Murray as well. And I, I, this team is just so talented. What they've done is incredible, building the support system around Justin Herbert. Again, like this is exactly what you do for a young quarterback. Uh, now, new Chargers head coach Brandon Staley has never been a head coach in the NFL before. And he's a wild card. I had to decide, like, how good do I believe Brandon Staley is going to be? He made me pick a side. And so I decided, hey, he's going to be great. I think he's going to be awesome. Uh, I heard a story about him. It's a weird fact. That I promise this did not play into my decision trying to decide whether he was good or not. But he actually played quarterback back in college at Dayton in, in Ohio. Like, that's I, I did not know that. He's a defensive minded coach he was a defensive coordinator last year in LA with the Rams I know someone who played for him speaks really really highly of the guy uh everyone that I've met or or even even heard talk about Brandon Staley says nothing but good things are about him so I feel really good about the LA Chargers I think they're a team that is going to go 12 and 5 and man they have the tools in LA to put together a Super Bowl run. And, and man, the battle in the city, by the way, between the LA Rams and the LA Chargers is going to be unbelievable. They play in the same city, uh, and I think that, man, the, the battle for attention between Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, two teams that are going to win a lot of games is going to be wild. And like, you have to win to get attention in LA, and I think both teams in LA are going to win this year. How about Kansas City? I believe the Kansas City Chiefs will go 11 and six this year. They will finish second in the AFC West. 11 and six. I know that's something that people are like, what's going on? This is a team that has been to two straight Super Bowls in a row. And I think they're going to take a step backward this year. Not a massive step backward. They're still going to be a playoff team. Uh, and of course, by the way, anytime you get into the playoffs and you have Patrick Mahomes on your football team, you have a shot at a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code. Anytime you have him, it's possible you could get to the final destination. And I, I got to say, I really like the moves that KC made to try and rebuild their offensive line. Uh, they cut both of their tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, after last year. I was surprised. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a big deal. Then they traded for Pro Bowl, used to be right tackle, now left tackle, Orlando Brown from Baltimore. It was a steal. What a great move. They got a good left tackle, a Pro Bowler in exchange for what will be, they gave up a late 
Uh, they're gonna, you know, it's a first round pick they gave up for Orlando Brown. Casey is really good. They're gonna be. It's gonna be a late first round pick. Like I don't understand why the Baltimore Ravens made that trade. I, I, he was unhappy. He wanted to move to left tackle. They didn't want to put him there. But it's like you couldn't figure it out because what they got was nothing. I mean, the fact that Casey was able to give up a a late first round pick for a starting left tackle who's really good. Bravo! What a great trade there. Now, even though I like the moves they made, they made another one. They uh, they brought in left guard Joe Tooney from the Patriots. Gave him a five year. $80 million deal. Uh, we might get to see Chris Long play later this year. He uh, returned to the NFL, hoping to play for Kansas City. He's a veteran guard. Unfortunately, he is currently on the pup list with a leg injury. He's out for the first six weeks. Uh, they signed center Austin Blythe. He's out three weeks. He will likely play when he gets back. That depends on how well rookie center Creed Humphrey does. Uh, and now, I, I like the moves they made. I really do. Uh, this offseason, they rebuilt their offensive line. And it was basically like hitting the reset button all around. Uh, now, the result, though, unfortunately, because of a couple of guys not being able to play, a couple of guys hurt, basically what you're going to get is three rookies playing on the offensive line week one for the Kansas City Chiefs, protecting Patrick Mahomes against a really good Cleveland Browns defensive line, Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett. Uh, they're starting right guard Trey Smith. He's a rookie sixth-round pick. You're starting center Creed Humphrey. He's a rookie second-round pick out of Oklahoma. And then the right tackle week one is Lucas Niang, a guy who opted out of his rookie year last year uh, due to COVID. He technically is not a rookie, but it is his first year playing in the NFL. So I'm like, wow, you're a rookie in my book. Uh, so I like the moves, but they did a total rebuild here. And even if these guys like pan out, well, let's say that Trey, Trey Smith is great and Lucas Niang is great and Creed Humphrey is great. And even though they're rookies, they all become future starters and investments and they're guys that play for the next like 10 years in Kansas City. They're still going to be growing pains while they get their act together. And I think having young guys is great for their future. I like a lot of the people they brought in. But also week one, they're going to have a lot of unproven players trying to protect Patrick Mahomes. And early on this year against tough football teams, I think the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is a concern. Uh, now, at tight end, you have star Travis Kelsey. He's fantastic. I think he's the second best tight end in the entire league after George Kittle in San Francisco. At running back, you have second-year stud Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. This dude can do it all. He can run. He can block. He can catch passes. I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. At receiver, Casey has Tyreek Hill, Mechel Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and Byron Pringle. Now, Tyreek Hill is the big playmaker in that receiving core for Kansas City. On defense, KC already has a couple injuries. Uh, DN Frank Clark and safety Tyron Matthew are both questionable for week one. I, I think this could be an ugly start to the year for Kansas City, a team that has some injuries, trying to figure out their offensive line situation. Six of their first seven games are against either playoff teams or really quality teams. Like I would call the Baltimore Ravens not a playoff team, but a quality team. So week one, you play uh, the Browns, a playoff team. Then you play at the Ravens. That's a quality football team. Then KC plays week three. Ch the Chargers, a playoff team, in my opinion. Uh, they get a break for week four. They play at Philly. That's neither a quality team or a playoff team, in my opinion. Week five, they play the Bills. They come to Arrowhead, and that's a potential playoff matchup. Week six, you play at Washington. They have a scary, good defensive line. Week seven, you have at Tennessee. So I'm not saying they're going to go two and five to start the year. You know, I, I think they beat the Ravens and Philly, but... The Browns game's really tough. Chargers game's really tough. The Bills, Washington, Tennessee. Like, that's a lot of really, really hard football games for this Kansas City team to play. And early on, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to take over and kind of carry a young offensive line. There's also problems in their secondary. That is why I have Kansas City 
going 11 and 6. How about the Raiders? I believe the Raiders will go 10 and 7 this year. Uh, I'm really excited to watch this offense, man. I cannot wait. Derek Carr is, in my opinion, very, very underrated. Running back Josh Jacobs is a stud. It feels like both second-year receivers, uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, are going to have breakout years and look fantastic in their second year in the NFL. Hunter Renfro is a reliable slot receiver. Tight end Darren Waller is a matchup nightmare, one of the better tight ends in the entire NFL. That's a great asset for Derek Carr. To me, a 10-win season is very, very accurate for the Baltimore Ravens. 10 and 7. Uh, now, if they win a couple big games, they could go 11 and whatever, 11 and 6 or 12 and 5. Like, 10 wins could become 11 or 12 very quickly, but it also could go the other way where 10 wins could become 8 or 7 the way it has in the last couple of years. Uh, the Raiders are still building their offensive line. Uh, left tackle Colton Miller was a first-round pick in 2018. Right tackle Alex Leatherwood was just drafted number 17 overall in the 2021 NFL draft. I'm excited for his rookie year. Uh, now, left guard Richie Incognito is hurt and out for week one. And I look at this Raiders offensive line. I see a lot of faces and people that I don't recognize and don't trust yet uh, to protect Derek Carr. They added a lot of veterans to their defense. Defensive end Yannick Ngakwe, linebackers Denzel Perryman and KJ Wright, corner Casey Hayward Jr. Uh, now, I love, love, love their safety, Jonathan Abram. I do want to see some development from their third-year corner, Trayvon Mullen. Uh, I also want to see 2020 first-round pick corner Damon Arnett step up a little bit, get better. Uh, and I have bad news. Unfortunately, 2019 number four overall pick, Cleveland Farrell, defensive end. He's been a massive disappointment. He's now a backup, not even a starter on this football team. That is horrible and embarrassing. I do really like defensive end Max Crosby. He's a great edge defender. Uh, now, I look at the schedule for the Las Vegas Raiders, and their first double— I do really like defensive end Max Crosby. He's a good edge defender. Now, I look at the schedule for the Raiders, and their first couple games are really, really tough. Uh, they play the Ravens on Monday Night Football. That's a game where, first of all, their fans are going to be crazy and really, really rowdy in their new stadium in Vegas. Uh, but then after that, they go to Pittsburgh. They play at Pittsburgh week two. Week three, they play Miami. Week four, they play at the Chargers. Like They could start one and three to their season. That's not a good look if you're the Las Vegas Raiders coaching staff. Uh, now, Week 10, I want to make a prediction here. I think the Raiders could beat Kansas City. The Raiders have Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs uh, and Derek Carr, by the way. It's like three really good people throwing the ball vertically. And Casey has a weaker secondary. So I think the Raiders could have an upset week 10 and beat Kansas City. Now, here are three must-win games for the Raiders. And by the way, the Raiders beat Kansas City last year, too. So that surprised everybody. I'm going to call my shot now. Uh, three must-win games for the Raiders this year, though. Week 7, they have to beat Philly. Week 11, they have to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. And week 12, they have to beat Dallas. They need to show progress. And if you're going to go 10-7, and seven, you, you, you can't lose games to teams like Philly or Cincinnati or Dallas. And so the pressure's on, man. Uh, I think it's going to be a good year, not a great year. Uh, but hopefully progress for the Las Vegas Raiders going 10-7 and seven this year. I believe the Denver Broncos will go 9-8. and eight uh they win nine games because their roster is really good but only nine games because their quarterback teddy bridgewater is limited um look denver drafted patrick sertan a corner number nine overall and in doing so they passed on mac jones a quarterback now the starting quarterback in new england and they passed on uh quarterback justin fields that was a mistake if you ask me i, don't, I really don't understand like by the way patrick sertan isn't even starting 
Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby are the two starting corners in Denver. It's weird to me. I don't get it. And I look at like the quarterback situation in Denver right now. They passed on a quarterback in the draft. They're also not starting Drew Locke. So if they were so committed to Drew Locke, they didn't draft a quarterback to replace him. Why is he not their starting quarterback? The only explanation for what's going on in Denver, uh, not drafting Mac Jones or Justin Fields, not committing to Drew Locke, they must just believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to be their quarterback next year. Like They must have this plan in their head that they're going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Nothing else makes sense. Now, I want to talk about their defense. I got sidetracked there. Um, Adding Ronald Darby was a good move for their secondary. Uh, He's a good corner. Uh, They have two good safeties, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. Uh, It's a good secondary. Up front, Denver has Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Uh, Both are studs. Look, this roster is incredible. Take a listen to this Broncos offense and how much better, by the way, it would be if Aaron Rodgers was throwing them the ball. They have running back Melvin Gordon. They have four great receivers, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and K.J. Hamler. They have a star tight end, Noah Fant. He's about to have a breakout year. Denver also has a good offensive line. Uh, Look, I would love to see Teddy Bridgewater lead this team to a Super Bowl. That would be fantastic. And this is the best team that he's ever been on. And it'd be a magical story. It'd be fantastic. But I don't believe it's going to happen, right? Like, I'm not holding out hope. I have the Broncos going 9-8 and and underachieving, having a disappointing year. And and unfortunately, man, I look at the Denver Broncos season, I think we're always going to look back and go, dude, they passed on Mac Jones. Dude, they passed on Justin Fields. And the fact that Patrick Sertan, the guy they passed on Mac Jones and Justin Fields for, isn't even starting is so frustrating. And it's crazy how one position can make all the impact on their team. Uh, I have Denver going 9-8, and eight, underachieving, not winning Super Bowl, not making the playoffs, even though they're capable of that. Unfortunately, their quarterback is going to hold them back. Guys, I did it. Holy fuck. Flip, man, I'm done. Uh, all my predictions are now recorded. I, you know what sucks really hard? I recorded like 20 minutes of recording that last. I, I did, it's probably going to have to chop it all up. It's going to be a bunch of weird cuts and everything. I, I, I recorded for 20 minutes, and my audio wasn't even recording. And I'm like, are you bleeping kidding me? I was so upset. Um, but now we're done, officially. Like we, I, <laughs> What time is it? It is uh, 9.25 p.m., the night before... Uh, sports start now that before NFL week one begins. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go edit this stuff, put it out. I love you, I appreciate you. I will see you tomorrow night for reactions to NFL week one. Uh, guys, until next time, but um, bum, bam, we are done.